When you're getting back into your busy fall routine but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready-to-cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022. Hello, hello, hello. The Let's Go Eat show again in your ear. How long can this go on? We don't know. We keep doing it, though. Uh, the Let's Go Eat show this week, uh, we have a guest that I've been stealing from for a long time. Well, I guess I should say she's the editor of an entity that I have been stealing from for a long time, uh, Jennifer Napier-Pierce. She's the editor of the Salt Lake Tribune, and uh, we had a long conversation about news and news gathering and the future of print journalism and all of that kind of stuff. And then I confess that I steal from the Salt Lake Tribune to make me sound smart on the radio. That's what I do. Uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. She's really great. Jennifer Napier-Pierce, here she is on the Let's Go Eat show. How's that? There you uh, go. Yeah. Is that better? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Good? yeah, good. Good, 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 cool. good. So, away we go. Uh, Jennifer Napier-Pierce, The uh, how long have you been the newly named, you're not the newly named editor anymore, are you, of the Salt Lake Tribune? Uh, I've crossed the Rubicon, so Damn I'm it. over a year uh, a year last August. So. And, and is it, how's it going? It's going great. You, you know? They're still smiling. I have a tremendous staff. I, I can't speak highly enough about them. They're um, such good storytellers. They're uh, very invested in the community. They want to do their best work. Mm-hmm. And I want to empower that. So mm-hmm. that's the best part of be, uh, about being the editor. Otherwise, I'd rather be in content. Well, you uh, being being an editor of a newspaper, I it seemed to me like it's like a job I wouldn't want because it's uh, it, it would seem to me just to involve being awake all the time. I mean, you have to be. How many hours a day do you work, or or are you a disciplined enough person that you can say, okay, that's my eight or nine, and I'm done? Don't ask. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm right, aren't I? Yeah, it is kind of a twenty four seven thing. Um, although, again, I've got a great staff, so I don't have to do everything. It's mm-hmm. just easy for us to maneuver and be a team. And but it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I never ever ever dreamed about taking on this role <laughs> ever yeah well so let's let's like how many let's, times a week do you pick up the phone at like midnight and get oh, i gotta i gotta <laughs> does that happen it must uh, that happens um jennifer uh, should we cover this that kind of stuff <laughs> uh, Wait, these, what just happened I'm, I'm coming all right i know i know these days it's slack i don't know if you guys are on slack but we get a lot of slack messaging going back i and just forth. did really that's interesting because yeah. i have really almost no idea what slack is and i just did a commercial for it <laughs> You should check it out. If you need to communicate, it's a really effective way to to do a targeted communication with the group. So We're gonna have, like I'm going I'm to lift this audio and say, here, instead of me, let's have Jennifer <laughs> talk about it, and then we'll send you some money. Sounds great. So let's start, let's start back. Jennifer Napier-Pierce. I'm going to cut uh, that whole part. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jennifer Napier-Pierce. Uh, uh, Utah resident, yes. I mean, yes. born in Utah. No, born in mm-hmm. California. Oh, California. When did you come here? 
um, when I was a toddler. So the results of a failed marriage, you know how that goes. So your My mom, mom and you and your here. you and your yeah. mom came here after yeah. the things fell apart there. Yep. And yep. Where, where so where did you grow up in Utah? Magna, Utah. Magna, Utah. It's an interesting place, man. Yeah, isn't it? It it's, is. It's a, sort of a secular place. It is. Uh, it's it ha- it's a, got mining roots. Yeah. So Kennecott was pretty much everything when mm-hmm. I was growing you up like there. You like it there? Magna, the water you can chew? Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's very different now. It feels more like a suburban community that's been um, enveloped mm-hmm. by Salt Lake Valley yeah. development. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Back in my day, you know, it, it had more of a distinctive feel. It was very much uh, an immigrant town, so a lot of yeah, a Italians, lot of, a, lot of Greek. a lot of Greeks, yeah. a lot of Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're looking for diversity, Magna was a great yeah, place to grow up, that's what, and that's why it was kind of a secular place too. Absolutely. A little, a kind of a it was a little enclave of you know. Well, I know we know the Mormons run this state, but we don't have to. We don't have to be part of that. Yeah, it's still got, you know, it's Labor Day celebration and July Does 4th. It really? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. got a an Old Town Main Street parade. Mm-hmm. It's it's unique. So so you got you graduated from high school out there mm-hmm. and then you went to the University of Utah. I did. Studied journalism there? No. no? I studied no? English. Um okay. I was going to be a teacher. And then I student taught and <laughs> Ms. Napier. See you later. Ms. Napier. <laughs> really? Is that you 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 did all that stuff and then that went to is student? really what happened. What yeah. Did you student teach in a high school? I student taught at Granger High School. And I'm not disparaging Granger High, however, it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, she's experience. disparaging all high school kids. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah. Well it's, it's some fine. people are cut out to do it and some people wisely get out of it. Uh, I was very young. I think um, there wasn't a lot of support from professional colleagues. I was consistently asked for a hall pass. You know, <laughs> it was it was a little demoralizing. Uh, there was a time when you thought you wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, I might have. I yeah. might have been a teacher at one time. There yeah. was there were there were points in my life and I I I would student teach occasionally or uh, uh, yeah, it's substitute substitute, substitute mm-hmm. teach occasionally for a friend of mine. Uh, at Box Elder High School. Okay. And uh, I, she was a drama teacher there. And I, she would go, she went on, va- she'd go on vacation and she'd say, I want this guy to be my substitute. And that's, I would go up and do that. And, yeah, not I would me. love to have been in that class. Mm, no, <laughs> I don't think Phil. so. Like, <laughs> well, people think you, you get mad and scream and yell at Gina on the radio. At, like, could you imagine a high school, a class full of snotty high school Actually, students? Actually, I did okay at Box Elder High School with the students. It was the faculty oh. that didn't, that had, had kind of a problem with me. Oh. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. You weren't talking about sex in the classroom. Because no. you know that's a no, no. I know. I know. <laughs> so you went to, uh, so when you're, when you got a, a degree at the U, and you, did you have an emphasis like you liked literature or what, what did you like? Uh, yeah, of course. I love to read. Mm-hmm. I love to read and I love to write. Mm-hmm. And I thought that teaching was a good way for me to perpetuate that passion that I and you had. had a, did you have a feeling that you were going to write books or you were going to write poetry? No, or, no? I, never, I never thought that actually was a realistic ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably don't have the attention span for that. So, hey. You so, know. What, so then Stanford, you went to Stanford. There, there's a big gap between that. Um, oh. I did a lot of soul searching, so about a seven-year journey, in fact, on what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I, I experimented a lot. Um, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. 
I don't like to touch people. So, hey, no, that, that's, not that's good. gone. Mm-hmm. That's gone. Um, I'd be interested to know what kind of experiment <laughs> you did to determine whether you wanted to be a doctor. Um, I, I volunteered at a children's hospital. Ah. And children, sick children, it's hard. Yeah, I do it's it. so hard. Um, I took uh, an Italian class, I took chemistry, I took bioethics, but I am really not a philosopher. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that would make a difference in people's lives. And so I took a news writing class at San Francisco State and fell in love, really? which is funny because it's almost full circle. In high school, I, I wrote a column, a weekly column for the Green Sheet. Mm-hmm. What's that, the school paper? Huh? That was the community freebie that oh, landed yeah. on your porch. Mm-hmm. And um, it was sort of the, the update for the high school. Mm-hmm. And um, But never really thought of that as a traditional career path. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any journalists. I didn't know anything about journalism. So so how did you find yourself in San Francisco? Why why were you there? Oh, I was supporting my husband. He was in graduate school at the time. Oh, this is Mr. Uh, uh, Pierce. Mr. Pierce. Mr. Yes. Pierce, whom you are still to whom you are still married. Yes, indeed. Yes, We've and, been there a while. And he's an attorney. He is a Supreme Court justice, right? And so he, former attorney, former attorney, and now Supreme Court justice for the uh, Utah Supreme Court. Yep. So, and we'll talk about that coming up a little bit. But um, so you uh, you're there supporting your husband as he's going to school, law school, and uh, uh, you take a journalism class and love it. And then you went to Stanford to study journalism? No. Jeez. Then I went. I know. I'm sorry. This That's took a, a no, long okay. time. I went to um, my neighborhood newspaper and I said, I've finally figured out what I want to be what when I grow your, up. What was your neighborhood newspaper? Uh, the San Carlos Inquirer. Mm-hmm. And so I went to them and I said, I want a job. And they looked at me like, have you any experience? And I said, no. Mm -hmm. Um, They said, why don't you do three stories on spec, which means for free. Mm -hmm. And we'll see where it goes. And after that, they offered me a job. So I worked in Redwood City. California for a year, and then I went to graduate Reporting school. on what kinds of stuff? Oh, everything. Red- School board, city hall, the latest restaurant, just local, hyper-local neighborhood news. Did and you it like was, that? It was fantastic. Yeah. And in fact, I, I learned a lot about city politics because I would go to a, a board meeting or a city council meeting, and it would go on until uh-huh. like midnight because they were banking on the fact that I would go home <laughs> and I just wouldn't leave until I wanted to hear the one issue that mm-hmm. they finally got to on the agenda. So mm-hmm. it, it was full of discovery and great, helpful lessons. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing in radio, you know, and I would I really started out doing news in radio. That, and I and I was very serious about that and did it, you know, like a news person should yeah. kind of taught myself because I, I had really no journalism experience. Mm-hmm. But. But I could talk and and uh, had a, a mind. But I would go cover city council meetings every week in Ogden and uh, school board meetings. Oh my god! <laughs> Isn't it true? Oh my god! And I'd sit there with these other news people. I, maybe are you, do you, do you ever know a, a new Barbara Bernstein who kind of she used to so. do stringer stuff for the Deseret News and huh. anyway. And we would just sit there and just like be and, and pass little notes to each other about how boring this is and what what duds these council people are and geez they're dumb and you know I, and it got to the point where i couldn't stand it and i was so glad when i finally just stopped that's democracy in action oh, it bill is. come on i know i mean it that's what happens in those meetings though yeah. they're spell, spending your taxpayer dollars so there, it's important for somebody yep. to be there and sort of seeing what is happening well and that's that's a that's an issue. That's a problem today, isn't it? With budgets and newspapers and radio news and 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 print news and all of that, that's 
do you, I mean, can you still send people? You send somebody from the Trib to go to Salt Lake Council, I would assume, Salt Lake City Council. But a lot of the other little communities, they never get any coverage, do they? No. Um, in fact, a lot of people will say, why wasn't there a Tribune reporter at my city council in Harriman? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a fact of life. The finances do not justify it, especially when you only have readership for a Harriman City Council of a few hundred people. So um, we have to look for impact stories, bigger scale, much broader trends, analysis. It used to be that they would send out uh, reporters to a lot of the, still not all of them, but many, many more city councils and boards and things like that than they do now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to work smarter. We have to look where audience is, what is the most impact that we can get for our buck. But uh, the fact is our newsroom is down at least 40% from Mm. where it was Mm. um, even five years ago. Yeah. And that's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, we just have to approach journalism in a completely different way. All right. So you go, you cut your teeth on this little newspaper uh, called the what again? in San, San Carlos Inquirer Bulletin. Inquirer and because, Bulletin. Was it a merger of the Inquirer and the Bulletin? Uh, San Carlos Inquirer <laughs> and the Belmont Bulletin. There you go. Merged together. Um, mm-hmm. It was part of a small chain of papers that were um, south of San Francisco, the Independent. Mm-hmm. and so It I'd still work- exist? I don't know where it is. I, I'll have to go back and yeah, look. Yeah, I wonder if it's still The exists. Redwood City Tribune was where our offices were, mm-hmm. um, but they had papers in San Mateo and all up and down yeah. the peninsula. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so, okay, so then you went to Stanford? Then I went to Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> to study journalism. To study journalism. I mean, um, I would never recommend anyone get a master's degree in journalism unless – if they have prior journalism experience, because it doesn't make sense. You already sort of know that stuff. But for me, I didn't know anything about media law. I didn't know anything about um, mm-hmm. media history, about the institutional barriers, the financial issues that the industry was facing, what the Internet means. So for me, it was all, you know, very uh, wide open space. And I, I loved every minute. It was great. Uh, and uh, oh, by the way, going to Stanford, what what was your you must have had some sort of. Uh, uh, d- difficulty uh, this past weekend when University of Utah played Stanford, oh. and, and you, so you went to the U and you went to Stanford. You, I know, I know. Did, did you wear? You should. What you should get yourself a, a you know some sort of a costume or something that's half U and half Stanford. Well, it's even more complicated because my husband went to Berkeley oh, and my son goes to USC. So we've got a, a full chunk of the of the Pac-12 in the household, all fighting with each other. And the and and the Utes are playing and USC. See this coming weekend. Yes, think, indeed. Right? Yeah. Well, that's fun, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you go. You're going. You go to Stanford. You get a degree in uh, journalism, a master's degree, and print is what you think you want to do. Print journalism. Yes. Um, you will appreciate this, Bill. I took a radio news class, mm-hmm. and um, it was from a practitioner. He never let us play with the toys. And something just went uh, haywire there, Dylan. Let me. This thing. Uh, very well could be. Are we still registering on the box? This if will... you can see us visually, I don't mind continuing. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, got, he can he can tell if we're registering. Are we are we yeah, okay? It's just, it's just that box. Okay, we're Sorry. gonna have to get a new one of those. No worries. All no right. worries. So so anyway, um, then we'll pick up. So you th- uh, you. So, so I took this. I took this radio news <laughs> class. Yeah. I took this radio news class and. 
so much fun of radio news is gadgets and technology, and um, we never even touched a microphone in that class. We only wrote broadcast scripts, and I thought for sure there was no way I could ever be drawn into radio news, even though I was a radio news junkie. I've always listened, and I've always loved it. Um, so I thought print was where my was going to go. I did a, an internship at the L.A. Times. And then um, had a baby. You know, that changes things mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, a baby who's now at USC? A baby who's now at USC. Mm-hmm. And um, moved back to Utah to be closer to family. And yeah. it's much easier to live here. Is your husband from here as well? He is. Yeah. So both mm-hmm. sides of the family are here, and we, mm-hmm. we love it here. So when you came back here, you started working in uh, journalism, but it wasn't print journalism. Am I right? Um, no, I actually started in print. I did a lot of uh, freelance work for magazines. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you remember the old Salt Lake Observer that was here for about a year or I two. I do. I really uh, I I really liked them. it. Yeah, it Who's- was great. Who was who started that? It was Brooke Adams. Brooke Adams, that's right. Yeah, I really it, it, it had Tietze. a nice look to it. Yeah, it, it was, was cool. It was like a I really liked it, but didn't financially. It's tough. It's mm-hmm. it's tough to inject that into the marketplace. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't involved at any level. I was just contributing, but it was great. Um, and then I got into radio. Yeah, and that's that's always a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? No, um, it's great. So you worked at KUER and KCPW both. I did. Uh, and did reporting and uh, hosting talk shows yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, how long did you do that? Okay, let me do some math here. I think it was um, probably... 13, 14 years, maybe longer. Yeah. And you became uh, uh, quite well known for that. People knew you. I don't your... know if I was well known. Sure. Well, it's people knew radio, your name. They knew yeah. your name. And yeah. Because you were on radio stations. I mean, the same way, you know, I guess in the same way, I'm quite well known. Maybe, Come on, Bill. maybe. You've got broad appeal. Come maybe, on. Maybe two or three times a week somebody <laughs> recognizes me at the grocery store. Stop and, it. You know, that's, that's really exciting. Uh, but uh, so you did that, and then what led you back into print? Um, one of the managing editors at the Tribune reached out to me and said, Would you have any interest in returning to print? And I had not, it hadn't crossed my mind, mm. but. Um, I was intrigued and went and visited with them and thought, yeah, this is a place where I could do some impactful journalism, which I thought was great. Did you go go there, go to the Trib uh, with the intention of really – because you became the kind of multimedia, the – uh, all, I don't know how much print you did. You know, you, you just ended ton. up – You ended up doing a lot of – you know, uh, uh, online stuff for the trip. And uh, is that why they brought you in? Because you had that background Um, in radio? Yes and no. I mean, I was hired as a business columnist. Um, And I think after a few months, it was pretty apparent that they should be using my talents in a different way. Mm -hmm. So we started to explore live events and some sort of online presence that they hadn't had before. Trib talk. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a lot of ways, it was... It was such a laboratory. It was so much fun to experiment and, How, I, and do things that they hadn't had doing before. That? When did you start doing that? Do you know? Remember, oh, when gosh. you started? Because you, you it know, was like, like 2013, maybe. 2013. So just because it seems to me that that's 
I was hired in January. I think the show launched in the summertime. So yeah, I mean, it's it's that's the kind of thing. The direction that print journalism is going now, mm-hmm. in a big way, uh, and so you're sort of on the vanguard of that. But then you left the trip. I did. <clears throat> um, I lived through four brutal layoffs. Bad times. And that's right. yeah, I mean the Tribune. By all accounts, was headed for destruction. Well, it looked as though it was not going to survive. It didn't. Partic- it didn't look like it yeah. was. And I, I wasn't in that executive boardroom, so I don't exactly know. Mm. But um, all indications were that our prior hedge fund owners just wanted to bleed us dry. Mm-hmm. And um, soon after I was hired, that is exactly the case. Mm-hmm. My assessment was correct. Everybody's assessment was correct. So in the meantime, um, I had a very nice offer from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the U. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I'm going to jump, this is a good time to jump. And it's something I've never done before. It could be a fun challenge. And then a month after that, I met Paul Huntsman, and he had acquired the paper. So you weren't at Hinckley very long at all. Two months and ten days. Mm-hmm. Did you, you must have felt a little bad. About, I'm I sorry, you guys. I felt horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I felt horrible. But um, they totally understood. Mm-hmm. They knew that this was a once-in-a-lifetime. There's mm-hmm. no other way that this could could end up. Yeah. I'd always wonder, what if? Yeah. So it's a, so it's a big deal being the editor it is. of a newspaper. It, it is. It is a big, important position. Um, and uh, you've been on the job again at the Trib now for how long? It's been since a year plus. About a year and a yeah. So, a um, couple of things about it I want to know. Um, that when the hedge fund was trying to bleed the Trib dry, and there was all that unpleasantness between the Deseret News and the Salt Lake Tribune. And the Deseret News was get the the and I forget the details, but how the agreement with the uh, not Media One, but whatever it was called back then, that joint agreement, it was heavily weighted for them, even though the Salt Lake Tribune had a larger uh, readership, a bigger subscription and readership. Uh, the Deseret News was getting all the money, which didn't certainly didn't seem fair to me, and I'm sure not to anybody at the Tribune. Has that all been worked out? Um Kind of, sort of. Uh, So last June, so June of 2016, Paul Huntsman, a local businessman, bought the Tribune uh, and renegotiated that joint operating agreement. Oh, they did. Basically, you know, that's a contract between the Tribune and the Deseret News so that we can economize on printing. Newspaper is expensive to produce. Not like the internet where everything's all free and Mm -hmm. you can write forever. Um, Print paper costs a lot of money and there's a lot of production costs involved in that. So he was able to negotiate more favorable terms than our previous owners. Our previous owners, it was a 70-30 split. Well, that's right. So the Tribune, even though our circulation is bigger, we were only getting 30% of print profits. That kills. That's brutal. It's just patently unfair. And it was an attempt by uh, the hedge fund people to bleed you dry, but it was also an attempt Really, and I don't know if you'll want to say this, but by the Deseret News to put you out of business. I'll let the facts speak for themselves. But it was not a good financial deal for us. Right now we're at 60-40. I think that Paul will continue to negotiate that. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
So it's kind of sort of settled mm-hmm. um, at this point. Our contract ends in 2020. So we'll see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. the future of print, of course, is uncertain. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows how long it's going to be financially viable to mm-hmm. do that print paper. Um, I hope it's for a very long time because I love the newsprint. I love feeling it in my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I love looking at it and, and discovering something that I hadn't uh, thought of before in a way that you just can't online. No, I mean, it's absolutely true. When you go through, when you go online, you are looking for something specific, and then you read things that are specifically related to what you are specifically looking for. Right. When you're reading a newspaper, you're going through and you go, you're saying, oh, that's an interesting story about uh, Donald Trump. And then you'll turn the page and there's a, huh, look at that. It's a, and it's just on a totally unrelated subject. There's an element yeah. of discovery yeah. in print, mm-hmm. just finding something unexpected, a story that you may not be interested in, but you've read, you've seen that picture, you've read the headline, you're like, oh, maybe I could get sucked into this. I, you know, people keep pre- predicting the death of, of print and uh, print journalism, and you kind of alluded to it. Uh, you know, they said that uh, people also said that books were going to disappear when uh, tablets and Kindles and all of that came around. And uh, it kind of, uh, you know, but books publishing took a, you know, a shot to the crotch for a little while, but it's come back. And well, J.K. Seem- Rowling, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think that people have responded. Authors have responded in mm-hmm. a new way. Um, we have not seen younger readers come to us. So just demographically, the facts are quite stark. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that younger people are not embracing the print the way they used to. So is there any effort to try and get them to do that? Or is it? Are we just writing it off at this point and saying we got to go somewhere else and do something else? Um, no, I mean, marginal. I wouldn't say that that's our complete focus. Digital really is our future. Mm-hmm. And I think... Anybody in the industry would admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that, you know, we can't try and draw this out for as long as possible. Um, but I just think that demographically, that's not where we're going to be. We are in the content business. We're in the news business. So does it really matter whether or not you get it in print or whether you get it in digital, on your mobile device, whatever, mm-hmm. on a podcast? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't. I don't see that it has to be exclusively print focused. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we are out in schools talking about news literacy. We're talking about what journalism is, but I wouldn't say that we can bank our future only in that. Is there a stack of free newspapers at every school in the valley? No, there is not. Oh, there should be. Well, and maybe they'll pick them up and read them. You never know. Maybe. Again, <sighs> it gets down to that bottom line yeah. it's really expensive to produce yeah uh, the the print is yeah, yeah. it is uh it's uh, so the future of journalism i know let's maybe we'll just jump into that and see what's happening and what you think about all that's happening um i mean for instance buzzfeed i remember a year ago or two years ago probably two years ago buzzfeed was seen only as just an aggregator that's all they did and all of a sudden now they're some sort of authoritative news source. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't say that any journalist with training I would he- I would hear say, BuzzFeed well, people interviewed on NPR. I know. They're cited. Um, I think it's because of their digital strategy, not so much for their news judgment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
they're well, out there. They're they're tapping into an audience that is is craving that mm-hmm. sort of aggregated information. I don't think it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. um, but they're just another player in the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, I just they're, they're breaking they're breaking they, stories. They are breaking stories now, which really sp- and I hear BuzzFeed rep- BuzzFeed reporter so and so interviewed on uh, news. And I and that and I mean it really surprises me, and it mm-hmm. happened in a short period of time. Well, I will say that BuzzFeed has also departed a little bit from its roots yeah. as solely aggregator. Right. They have. Um, they're hiring real journalists. They took one of our star reporters from the Salt Lake Tribune while I was there. So I, I know that they're they're making inroads. Um, mm-hmm. I still wouldn't put them up against the New York Times or the L.A. Times or mm-hmm. any of the big. So if every, if everything's moving online, uh, you got to you got to figure out a way to make money uh, doing news online. And uh, I guess there are two specific ways you can do that. You can charge people to access your website if if you want, and you can also sell advertising. You could do one or the other or both. What do you think is the best way to go? Um, well, we're doing both. So our digital advertising has been strong. It's not as strong as the print advertising. In other words, our print ads are still bringing in more revenue They're than our digital. They're more expensive, probably. Yes. Um, <clears throat> again, because yeah. it, it has a legacy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and people still are not convinced that they're going to get bang for their buck on, on digital. So it, digital is, is usually part of a holistic ad campaign, yeah. but it's only part. Mm-hmm. So that segment is sort of fragmented. I would say that um, subscriptions is where it is. People are going to have to step up for the content that they consume. And I, I honestly think that um, there will be consumer response. Even, you know, think three, four years ago, how many people had Spotify, Hulu, Netflix, all of these uh, emerging platforms have really made it more palatable for people to say, okay, I read that, I consume that, I watch that, I should pay for it. Mm. So the trick is going to be, will the Salt Lake Tribune be valued in the marketplace in a new way? I hope so. I hope the answer is yes. Well, they have, news. there are uh, new, other newspapers who have not, not been – successful trying to charge for their online subscription. I think the New York Times uh, has done okay with that, Um, but there are not many examples where it's been successful, right? Um, I wouldn't say that, actually. No, I I don't know for sure exactly. I think think it's about 40% of legacy newspapers have a paywall who, you know, Mm -hmm. they charge. If you're going to read an article, they charge you for that. There are all sorts of different models. We at the Tribune are looking at all sorts of different you models done right it now. Yet, we really. haven't. Um, but I mean, you can buy. I know you can buy a digital subscription if you want. Right, but it's yeah. really just an electronic replica of the physical paper. It's right. it's a little bit different from what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So that's the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. You will see it in the first quarter of next year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what? So would you? Um, as you look around the country at uh, newspapers that you admire, I would assume the New York Times, L.A. Times still. Uh, but it isn't, it's so sad to see the decline of, of, of some of the big papers in the country. Well, there's been um, 
a lot of disruption in the marketplace, <laughs> to use a business term. I think that journalists, as I said before, we have to be smarter than we have before. We do not have the luxury of a lot of bodies. Our newsroom is small. And even though we've, fortunately, our owner has made some strategic investments over the last year, I can't automatically snap my fingers and restore uh, a newsroom that existed five years ago. That's just not going to happen. So um, we need to be much more conscious of audience, where they are, what kind of stories resonate, and the stories that are bigger, the stories with impact. So we're going to be doubling down on special projects. We're going to be doing a lot more investigative work. What does that mean, special projects? So that means something that is a sustained story. Mm -hmm. So say like... Um, The campus rape story, is that one? That is a perfect example of Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Um, Remarkable work, by the way, I think. Thanks, thanks. It's nice to get the validation that this worked, Matt, really resonated with people. Mm -hmm. But um, for those who aren't familiar, um, the Salt Lake Tribune won a Pulitzer Prize last year for, actually, it was this year. It's all gelling together. (laughs) But um, for exploring campus rape and the particular issues in Utah had to do with um, BYU and their honor code and how predators were using that as a weapon Mm -hmm. um, against women, which was preventing women from going forward. We've looked at campuses across the state and how they are supporting uh, rape victims and or, if, not or not, and there's been a lot of reporting there. We also did some groundbreaking work at Utah State right. where there was a former athlete there who, I guess, allegedly at least seven times allegedly um, had committed a lot of violence against women. He's on trial right now, and and the and the, and the Salt Lake Tribune really forced well, that into the light and force the prosecution. These these were reports that investigators had not followed up on, the campus had not followed up on, and we did. And again, seven women have come forward saying that this guy had raped them. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, it's, it's all allegations at this point, but we feel like that is reporting with impact. And we pulled resources from our crime desk. We pulled it from our sports desk. We pulled resources from our um, health, our higher ed. All these people sort of coming together around a special project for sustained coverage, which really mattered. And and a Pulitzer Prize is no, that's no small potatoes um, either. And I think you're, you're, you've, with that one example, you kind of answer the question, you know, well, why does it? Why do newspapers matter? Um, they matter because they can do stuff like that, and it's and it's stuff that the uh, Deseret News doesn't do. They they used to. I think they're trying, but the their ownership presents some limitations. Mm-hmm. They would never ever have been able to do the BYU coverage that we've done ever. Just, yeah. just based on I, yeah. their ownership. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that there's another newsroom in the state that can devote that kind of uh, brain power to a specific topic um, with uh, the goal of uncovering a lot of stories. I mean, mm-hmm. we had an initial story that opened up 50 more people coming forward from BYU, former and current students who said, 
hey, I've got a story to tell, and then you've got to vet all of those. Mm -hmm. There aren't many newsrooms. I I would say there aren't any newsrooms in Utah that would be able to to have that capacity for reporting. What about other aspects of of newspaper reporting? I think that's that's kind of the big, splashy... um, you know, the the prestige kind of pieces that uh, newspapers will do. Sure. But, you know, people used to, and I still do, turn to newspapers for other reasons. Um, sports has always been a big aspect of newspaper readership. Yep. Uh, and I notice that's one section of the paper that you've not downsized very much, maybe a little, but... A little bit, but, um, <clears throat> I mean... I wouldn't say that our journalism is data-driven, but it's certainly data-informed. And we've been looking at all of this data that shows us that there is a huge public appetite for BYU, mm-hmm. for Utah sports, um, the jazz. It's kind of insatiable. Mm-hmm. So we want to give our customers what they want. It's not my imagination, is it, that your NFL uh, coverage has uh dropped off a little bit recently do you know for sure you know we've always sort of uh we've always um looks like well go ahead i'm sorry uh no i i was just gonna say we've always depended on the wire services because Mm -hmm. we don't have an nfl team here right but i mean you used to do a thing probably you bought it from the wire or got it from the wire where you would uh lay out the three games that were going to be on sunday and and give the line and a little blurb about uh, each game, and that's gone. Uh, uh, I, I look in the Sunday paper, and I used to look for my NFL. So what do I want to watch this weekend? And I, and that's not there anymore. Uh, a part of it is um, we've sort of shifted our focus to local mm-hmm. because that is what our customers and are you're telling saying us they jazz want. And, and right. local. And, and that really is the biggest thing. I understand that. I just wondered if my perception was correct. Am Your I perception is right. And I think here? part of it is we live uh, in a world of ESPN, Bleacher Report. We live in a world of Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Every aspect of the newsroom has to rethink, okay, how, how does this fit into our mission? It's phenomenal. It's, it is phenomenal what the Internet has done I know. Uh, to the news business and to the newspaper. Um, uh, uh, classified ads. Yes. It used to be a huge pot of money for newspapers. Not anymore. Jeez. Not Jeez. anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, you, you start thinking. Uh, well, Craigslist, yeah, KSL.com, they moved into that. Yeah. Movie listings as well, so you can get your. I understand KSL.com used to have a radio station. Did they... I, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard about that. Joke. I've joke. heard a little bit about yeah. that. Didn't they used to have a radio station at like KSL.com? That. I always think that's funny. Uh, but uh, uh, movie listings, same thing. Yes. People go online for that. Yep. It hurts uh, the newspaper. Uh, I, I like, I always have kind of turn to the um, uh, paper for uh, entertainment mm-hmm, news. Mm-hmm. And that ki- that's, people get that online more now, don't yep, they? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I just got back from an editor's conference. This is not unique to the Salt Lake market. Every newsroom is sort of grappling, well, how do we position ourselves as a unique source of news where you can't get a review from Rotten Tomatoes? You know, how, how, what, what will make us so attractive that readers cannot resist us. And I mean, for us, our mission really is local. So mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to double down on that and make sure that we are covering things more thoroughly, more broadly than anybody else. And those prestige pieces, I think really I agree. 
that really kind of is where it's at. They, people mm-hmm. can't get that online. Right. Uh, uh, they may be able to get it online after they read it through the Tribune, and then it ripples out. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. The- That initial reporting is so important, and I do think that that's where, you know, I'm not going to brag, but the Tribune holds a special place in this market where a lot of other broadcast outlets, a lot of other um, newsmakers, regional or, you know, smaller town papers are looking to the Tribune as a lead to sort of guide some coverage. And so it's a tremendous responsibility for us to make sure that we are providing a news service that nowhere else, no one else can get anywhere else and um, that... That just makes sense. Um, the the Salt Lake Tribune has had this image, I think, forever of being uh, the not Mormon paper, mm, yes, and and in many cases the anti Mormon paper. Absolutely, there's the Mormon paper and the anti Mormon paper. Mm-hmm. It, it's silly. That, yes. that perception is silly. It's just like BYU, uh, BYU in Utah. Utah is the anti-BYU. Well, there are plenty. There are more as many Mormon players on the B- University of Utah team as uh, probably than there are at BYU. You know, uh, they, they, the kids go on missions all the time from the University of Utah. It's it's ridiculous yes. uh, to think of it in those Mormon anti-Mormon terms. Yes. However, <laughs> is it? Perhaps a, a, a good position, a good misperception. Is there such a thing as a good misperception? Um, kind of. I mean, again, what is the primary role for the Salt Lake Tribune? It is watchdog accountability journalism. So what does that mean in Utah? The seat of power is the LDS Church. So we're going to report the hell out of that. You know, we we have an obligation to the community to hold power accountable. And if that seeps into the legislature, so be it. Mm -hmm. If that is the church as an institution itself, so be it. Um, That's our role. I I think that is our our central role and mission. I was looking up some stuff about you uh, just, you know, quickly online, of course. And uh, uh, there was some big deal made out of, well, first of all, now, wait a minute. Is Jennifer Napier Pierce, is she a Mormon or not a Mormon? Mm. You know, and there was all that speculation. And then then I think uh, might have been Salt Lake Magazine or something. So, you know, Jennifer Napier Pierce is a Mormon. And that's a big deal because the Tribune should have a more uh, is it a big deal and does it surprise you that that there is that kind of conversation um here in utah it does not surprise me one bit mm. um i don't know you be the judge you're the reader you tell me if it matters uh from my perception and you can ask others in the newsroom it hasn't mattered one bit you know i have a journalistic track record of a couple of decades mm. i don't think that that has anything to do with a a personal faith at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can ask my, my employees and tell them. And Paul Huntsman, um, um, uh, uh, certainly a Mormon guy. The, he is. The, the owner he of the is, paper. But he recog- uh, the reason he bought the paper was to make sure that an independent voice existed in Utah. There's There's just not going to be a vibrancy here. If you only have one daily newspaper owned by the major power broker in the state, it's just not going to happen. You're going to miss stories. And so he he totally <laughs> understands that mission and role historically of the Tribune. Um, 
I'm all in, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am not going to let any personal biases stand in the you're, way of you're, a good story. You're, more, you're being a Mormon has nothing to do with what how you report things. Uh, I am suing BYU Police <laughs> Department right now. Mm. Uh, we've spent more money on that case than probably any litigation. Well, I don't. I can't say that. Yeah. I haven't been here, but. Mm-hmm. S- Thousands and thousands of dollars have gone toward that reporting, and I think my reporters would agree. They feel very empowered to report on anything and everything in the state. Mm. Our job is to be accountability journalism. It's interesting to me, that perception as well. Uh, The Salt Lake Tribune has always had a much larger circulation than the Deseret News. Yep. Always. And you think, well, why would – huh? But uh, aren't there all Mormons in in Salt Lake? Shouldn't they be reading the Deseret News? I think that they, that the community at large really kind of knows too. It's not. It would not be good if if we just had that one perspective. Yes. Let's let's look in the Deseret or in the Salt Lake Tribune and see what how they're attacking the Mormon Church now, and and if there's any truth to that. And that's. That's why it's always been had a larger circulation. Yeah. It's a kind of a good misperception. It is. It is. Um, look, we're always going to play to our our strengths. Our strengths are independence. Mm-hmm. So, where wherever those stories are, that's where we're going to be. What do, uh, what um, <clears throat> uh, newspaper readers uh, have traditionally been very vocal in their criticism of their newspapers? You get a lot. I you probably get way more complaints about things then you get praise about things (laughs) i do get some praise (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yes of course if uh, for me i'm so happy to hear from people who are reading us number one Mm -hmm. and who care who care enough to say this didn't sit well with what do they complain about most um like the funny papers are not there or uh there's always delivery issues number one Mm. and that's just a problem that comes with print Mm -hmm. i i don't know how to solve that it's it's a thankless job being a a, you know a newspaper carrier you have to have a really good carrier like mine you do elmer he is the best hey i have elmer too do you know elmer i do now yeah now i think he's he's not he's not the he doesn't deliver anymore i think he's He's now in, uh, the head of delivery or right. something like that. He's the best. He is yeah. the best. Very conscientious. Yeah. But, you know, not every neighborhood is that well served. Mm-hmm. I get it. And so when frustration arises, people come to me and say, my paper wasn't here at 6 a.m. And you. I love that. I think yeah. that's great. Um, the other big complaints I get are, um, I would say, a lot of the opinion page content. Really? Um Mr. Bagley, you love him or you hate him. Um, most people who subscribe to the Tribune absolutely love Pat Bagley. He's great. But he has his detractors. Well, I'm sure. Um, George Pyle has very strong opinions, mm-hmm. and not everybody agrees with him. But there are plenty of people who do. And that actually, I feel, is the value of the opinion page. Mm-hmm. You can read something that you don't. It doesn't resonate with you, but at least you have seen the other side of an argument, mm-hmm. and I think that's really valuable in today's environment. I mean, don't you? Yeah, you give and you give plenty of space to the Sutherland Institute. Oh, and, sure. and all of that, too, sure. as well. So I, sure. there's, there's no room to complain about that. Well, it's a marketplace of ideas, <coughs> so mm-hmm. you're not going to agree with everything. You shouldn't agree with everything in our paper. We're we're really trying to give you a whole menu, and you can pick and choose. Now, I uh, when I was reading some stuff about you too. Uh, 
taking over the editorship of the Salt Lake Tribune, there was some speculation or some comment about the fact that your husband's a Utah Supreme Court justice. And that, I'm not sure how that would cause any conflict of interest, but... uh, Me neither, actually. Um, What I've been able to do is just tell our justice team, this is who I am. If you see something newsworthy, please report it. Mm -hmm. So I don't review any stories that come out of the Supreme Court or the uh, Justice Division. Mm -hmm. My lower editors do that all for me. So I'm actually as surprised to read a story about John as anyone. (laughs) (laughs) And and I guess his name probably does pop up in the news occasionally. Occasionally it does. But it's a pretty... That's a pretty low-profile Supreme Court, that Utah Supreme Court. I think the only – for me, it's just a personal dynamic. Boy, I really hope we got that story right because otherwise I'm going to hear about it at home, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you you guys uh, discuss – things at home about the daily news or do you just kind of then make it mundane stuff when you get home oh no 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 i mean obviously we're both news junkies we love uh community we love public policy we love big ideas um so yeah we talk about a lot of stuff but it's he's a lawyer i'm a journalist we're full of secrets Mm. i don't don't (laughs) share anything with anyone there uh, there must be a lot of stories that you just wish that you could cover that you know about, but you just can't quite verify it well enough to to put it out there. And well, that, does I that mean, happen a lot? Um, you think, oh, I wish we could report this. Uh, yes and no. I mean, my reporters um, adhere to a very strict ethical code. So unlike bloggers and you know other people pontificating online they really do check their facts. And so I think that's what separates journalism from Mm non-journalism. And, you know, it was a big trend, I don't know, within the last decade, citizen journalism. And, uh, you know, everybody is a journalist, which I think has some merit. But at the end of the day, are you going to go to your citizen doctor for treatment? (laughs) Are you going to go to your citizen plumber? You know, I I, I do think that there is... um, there are checks and balances within a journalism environment. The newsroom provides uh, sort of some institutional barriers that journalists should never cross. And one of those is, is just checking and double checking and triple checking to make sure that we get it right. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get it right, what other profession goes out there and says, we screwed up, here's a correction right here. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that there are some unique aspects to journalism that a lot of people don't even think about. Yeah. Uh, I always love to read the corrections in the failing New York Times. I know. Uh, there's, always, <laughs> there's always a big, every day, a big list of, well, we got this a little bit wrong. We spelled this, this person's name right. wrong. The nuance was lost here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I again, that's part of being accountable. We're accountable, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything... Um, new or exciting or uh you have a new uh a podcast uh, we, uh yeah. the uh, religion podcast with peggy fletcher stack yeah i've got a couple of new podcasts out um one is called mormon land and it's about all things mormon but it's mormon news so it's less experiential than a lot of podcasts out there um, peggy fletcher stack has been reporting about religion for 26 years. She is the foremost journalist in the world about Mormonism. Yeah. So why would we not tap her brain a little bit? Um, and she's, uh, she's... She's out of town right now, like the head speaker at some religious conference for like a month and 
Some Bali or yeah, you know, somewhere, Indonesia. Somewhere uh, I can't yeah. spell. She's actually on a plane right now. Yeah. When she gets to back, Jakarta. So. Jakarta. Jakarta. Yeah. See, I, I mm-hmm. start with a J. I don't know anything else after that, but <laughs> uh, we'll, she'll we'll have her on this podcast when she gets awesome. back. Awesome, that's about great. Her she's, amazing um, career. She's got such a breadth of knowledge, yeah. and um, unlike an academic, she really is able to translate a lot of history and policies into her reporting and pair it with the lived experience. Um, and again, it just feeds into our mission. We are a watchdog on our community and mm-hmm. our community happens to be the seat of the LDS church right. so um, we're ex- excited about that our other one is we've noticed a trend of not being able to talk to people we don't agree with yeah um, so in an effort to show that we can do that sort of civic engagement I've got a very liberal editorial page editor, George Pyle, and I've got a much more conservative editorial writer named Michelle Quist Mumford. And so they're doing a podcast called Agree to Disagree, and they're just going to take on issues that they don't agree with (laughs) and Mm -hmm. just sort of flesh it out and make their case, make their arguments, and again, as good journalism does, allows our listeners you're, think about it. You're not afraid it will erupt into shouting and throwing things? No. And, I, I, that's well, just not the, the way we go. Well, where's the fun in being calm? I know. Though? I mean, they can get animated, but honestly, there's a, a practical side to both of them that helps them find common ground. Mm-hmm. They're not ideologues, mm-hmm. even though they have an ideological base um, they understand the world we live in, too, and that we need to learn how to get along and to talk to each other about really complicated issues, even if you don't see eye to eye. And what's that podcast again? It's called Agree to Disagree. And is it a- available now? It is. So just um, there have only been a couple of episodes. We just launched it. Okay. And you go to uh, just go to sltrib.com? sltrib.com. There's a pull down. Um, you can see the podcast menu. Um, we've also got a couple of sports podcasts that we're really excited about. So, um I don't know. We're, we're trying stuff, mm. Bill. We're yeah. trying stuff. Well, that's good. And, and what's fake news, Jennifer Napier-Pierce? Oh, gosh. What is fake news? Um, we like to call it false news because fake news doesn't exist. News is true. News is based in fact. News is, I mean, it's not irrefutable, but it's been vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that fake news is fiction. I mean, <laughs> really, that's what it comes down to. It's it it is somebody's made up little storyline, and they don't have the facts to base uh, to back it up. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous because it it looks like news, but it's not. Well, it's right. I mean, you got NBC and CNN fake and news. all of them. Oh, fake gosh, news. Don't get me started. The New York Times, fake news. They've made yeah. all these careers. Out. Well. But uh, but are you just you just said something that's really important for people to to watch and you know we all uh, well we all I have been um, caught by uh, thinking a story is true when it's not absolutely the way it's been the way it's presented and, yes and uh, so I'm I, I've gotten a li- I've gotten wiser about it if it's it's like the old adage if it seems too good to be true then it probably is not true. Well, I, I think um, the purveyors of fake news have been very clever. Mm-hmm. They've they've taken the format of a regular news story and shaped it to their own whims. Um, it's unfortunate that we have an executive who is is putting 
legacy news organizations, you know, organizations with institutional knowledge, uh, a, an earned reputation of credibility, mm-hmm. lumping those in with some guy in some basement in Albania who's making a lot of money off of these yeah. fake news yeah. stories. It's it's really, really unfortunate. And I think, um, look, news is not always what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And so I feel more than ever, people need to be discriminating like you are. The burden has shifted to consumers. It's sad, mm-hmm. but it's true. Yeah. And again, that's where that education component yeah. comes in. Why we're talking to kids in school is because their world is very different from the world of Walter Cronkite and the trusted voice. Mm-hmm. Now there are a million of them. And who do you trust? Alex Jones. Alex Jones, right. So, Come I mean, on. That, 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 <laughs> that particular executive actually legitimizing somebody like that by appearing on his Alex Jones's program and being interviewed as though it were a real news place. It's and he has a channel. He has a channel of communication that is not checked by anyone else. No. And so he's feeding an audience falsehoods that is really, really damaging yeah. um, just because he doesn't like certain topics and yeah. issues and Wait. personalities. And- so you're telling me that Barack Obama is not going to take over America through a chain of tunnels underneath Walmart starting no, in not, Texas? And- it's not going to happen. Oh. And and uh, and the gays are not going to try and infect everybody in the country with HIV so that we can get socialized medicine. Yeah. That's the la- latest. Or yes, that child are. sex ring in the pizza shop right. in D.C. area. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a cover-up. Uh, it is a cover-up. I mean, I don't know. It's, is it, is it, ah, it must be hard to be a news person, though, and realize that there are people that that people hear that and read those kinds of things and go, must be true. It's discouraging. It is. Uh, and again, I think it's sort of an evil genius equation. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've taken what looks like a legitimate news format and inserted falsehoods and, and crafted it in a way that for personal gain, whether well, that's financial or influential, whatever. You find yourself just fighting stronger and stronger confirmation confirmation bias with those people. Absolutely. Like, the more the more facts you lay out about he really is not taking over America through Walmart underground, the more they get defensive and like, well, yeah, you're wrong, you're lying, and it's like they they build that wall stronger against. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it I don't is know how you win that battle. How, well, you don't. You God don't, bless you. You don't. You win the bat. <laughs> you win that battle by not having it. You don't do it. Don't don't. If you if you know that that's where it's going to go, why why do it? Just say, well, that's what you want to believe. That's what you're going to believe. But that's why I think journalists journalists traditionally have not had to explain their workflow. <laughs> like they haven't had yeah. to say, okay, I get a news tip and then I start doing research and I start asking for documents and looking at data and doing a lot of interviews and all of that takes time and then I start to write. I don't think people know what that looks like. They just mm. magically think a story appears based on somebody's random news yeah. tip. Yeah. That's not the way it goes in a traditional respected newsroom. Yeah. And then you've got the editor, the editorial layer where editors are looking over people's shoulders and saying, really, did you ju- d- double check that number? I'm not sure that this person is who is the best authority on this one. Try this one. So there's a lot of back and forth that goes before there's ever a story published. Well, I would just uh, advise everyone out there to uh, uh, take to subscribe to the Salt Lake Tribune. Thank 
sltrib.com, uh, and go, or call. Just look for Media One, right? Mm-hmm. And and call and say, I want the paper delivered on my porch. Support print journalism. Uh, the website is looking better uh, at sltrib.com. I went. Th- I know it's been going through some radical changes, it and has. there are probably still hiccups with it and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. but it's boy, it's way better than it used to be. Thanks. Uh, and um, and I think I think continued success. And I think the Huntsmans are lucky to have you, or Paul Huntsman is lucky to have you as the uh, editor of the Salt Lake Tribune. And um, thank you. Yeah. I I've. Honestly, I just I think it's so insulting to my dedicated team of journalists to say that I am going to influence every story and how mm. these are responsible people, ethically airtight. I feel such confidence in our newsroom, and I feel just super lucky to be there. Do you still do those uh, like you used to see you see on TV, like on Lou Grant or whatever it was, or where you have the morning uh, editorial meetings and people sit around the table and you say, "Okay, so what do you got? What are you doing today? What are every you working day, on?" Every day, yeah, every day. So that we must have, be fun. Cool. It's super fun. Um, our newsroom does it once a week with mm-hmm. all the reporters who are available, but our editors get together twice a day mm-hmm. and just. Talk about stories, and it's it's a blast. I mean, I love it. I'd love. Can Bill just come sit in on one? Totally. Really? We we have community groups come all through all the time. Oh, I think it'd be great. So the one thing I mean, we've we've toyed with broadcasting that out because Mm -hmm. we do believe in transparency. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, um, we also don't want to give our competitors an edge on the stories. (laughs) We don't want to let them know what we're reporting on. Mm -hmm. So in a very selfish way, I want to keep that a little tighter, um, just so that we can bleep a bunch of stuff out uh, mm-hmm. that's right yeah. we're gonna be reporting this yeah. <laughs> the mormon yeah, churches please yeah no yeah. uh yeah. listen jennifer it's so nice to uh i don't we've never really sat and talked before i know we've, bill this is fun we've Thank met each you. other in passing and hi how are you and so I forth know, it's but great. Uh, i've always relied on the salt lake tribune to make me sound authoritative oh, um, stop. and oh it's stop. true uh, and uh, although I read, and when you read the Salt Lake Tribune, I also look at the Deseret News of and all of that. And uh, no matter what paper you read or what magazine you read or which news outlet you watch, question everything. Yeah, question everything. Yeah, even you know you don't you can't you look at the stuff in the Salt Lake Tribune and, go, and sometimes you may go, really could that be the case? Yep. Let me. F- I got to find out more about that. So just be. And if we need to correct something, we will. Yeah, I know you will. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Dylan, for helping out. And uh, that's it for the Let's Go Eat show. I'm Bill Allred. And remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. Broadway Media Podcast Network. 